All right, everybody, welcome to the Blood Grunners podcast. My name is Josh, and live from Barcelona, not uh, cold Minnesota today, we have Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I'm hoping that we have a good connection here as we talk, but I'm over here in Barcelona and uh, here for the Classico, going to go to the game on Sunday, and I'm super stoked. It's very nice, bright and sunny, so something I'm not used to living in Minnesota but excited for an experience of a lifetime. Yeah. So, uh, before we, you know, start talking about football, so I know you have family there, so you, you're not a complete novice when it comes to the, the Barcelona lifestyle. Just give me a little breakdown on the food, the wine, the coffee situation. How are you uh, enjoying the, the difference in culture so far? Well, the first thing I got was a donor kebab. So that's not exactly appreciating the Spanish food I was out here, but I, I do do that while I'm here. I'm going out for a very nice tapas meal tonight at a place called Catalonia. It's actually the name of the restaurant. It's very well known for my fancy tapas. Uh, but in general, I think I'm just going to be going around the city just to the local places and going in, getting a caña here or there, getting tapas, maybe doing something uh, with my family on the weekend as well at Cosaltada, which is a traditional Spanish meal barbecue that you do in the uh, in the springtime. So uh, and lots of good wine. And, you know, that's a great thing about being in Spain. It's just an incredible lifestyle. So this is obviously the, a drastically different <clears throat> environment from where you normally live. So is the it, are, are, do you like the weather? Like, it, are you are you adverse to a little bit warmer climates now, or uh, are are you getting used to it again? Well, I, I have I do have family here, so I, I'm I'm half Spanish, so I, I feel like I'm not a total tourist when I come here. <laughs> but the first thing my sister said to me when I was walking out the door was all these rules to not look like a tourist in Barcelona. So the way I dress, I was like, it's kind of warm today. I think I'm just gonna go out in a t-shirt. She's like, oh, if you go out in a t-shirt, you're gonna look like a tourist right away. You gotta at least be wearing sleeves, because uh, you know, oh, people over here can be kind of fancy. Maybe not all people. Maybe that's just her her bias. Um, but no, I love the warm weather. It's nice to get some vitamin D. Uh, uh, but yeah, I definitely probably uh, come across as someone who, uh, is from Minnesota and, uh, needs to adapt a little bit. So this is, and you know, uh, spoiler alert, you're heading to the Classico this weekend. Uh, this isn't your first Barcelona match. I'm pretty sure. So can you kind of give us a rundown on your history of attending Barca matches? I think my first Barcelona match was when I was a kid and this was like the late, um, 90s, and I think it was Real Betis. I remember very well just learning about the teams and seeing those green and white stripes on the jerseys. And then I think I saw just a few random La Liga games throughout the years. Uh, but the two biggest games I've been to is the uh, Champions League final in Rome against Manchester United when Messi and Eto had their uh, uh, epic uh, goals to win that one 2 0. And then I saw the Copa del Rey final at the old Vicente Calderon when they uh, actually it was Barca versus athletic club when Marcelo Bielsa was coaching athletic club. So those are the two biggest games I've seen. And I think that might've been Pep Guardiola's last game as manager. And those are very special occasions. Well, obviously. Close to that too. Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess there's not really a reason that would have come up in our previous conversations, but I cannot believe you were there for the United Barca Champions League final. That's incredible. Yeah. I was in, I was in college at the time and me and my dad went, it was kind of, he's, he's from Barcelona. So he's been a fan his entire life. And uh, I was kind of just like shell-shocked the entire time walking around with these big Barcelona crowds. And at the end, like, I feel like I still regret not properly partying in Rome because I was just kind of like, I think, overwhelmed by like the crowds and everything. But uh, it was it was amazing. And uh, I still have pictures I look back on that day very fondly. That's unbelievable. Well, hopefully you're going to add a third incredible match to that uh, portfolio this weekend with hopefully a Barcelona win. 
uh, kind of talking about the match a little bit. Uh, Liverpool played, or uh, I'm sorry, Real Madrid played their best lineup against Liverpool for a full 80 minutes before they made any substitutions yesterday. So they have a few days off, but uh, they're going to be, you know, you would expect slightly fatigued because for, you know, being up three goals until Benzema scored yesterday, it was a very intense first, you know, 75 minutes. Uh, Barcelona have had a week off. They're going to be nice and calm. Maybe have Pedri back. I'm not really, I haven't seen any injury updates recently. Uh, this is a great chance for Barcelona to really put a, not like a nail in the coffin because you never want to say that about Real Madrid, but you have a chance to go up yeah. 12 points in the league or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. 12 points. How big of a matchup is 12, this for yeah. Barcelona and how big of a chance is this given all the fatigue Madrid are coming in with? I think it's everything. Um, and I think it's everything for Real Madrid too. It's uh, one of those things where it's uh, it's an incredibly consequential classical. These are always good, although some can be at anticlimactic, even when they're they're good, because it's the biggest rivalry in the world. But no, I think there's no doubt that you know if you win this game, it better be the nail in the coffin because if you have a 12 point lead, there's still plenty of games to go. 12 points is a lot, and if you get to that point, it would be uh, quite a meltdown to not secure the a Liga title. And for this Barcelona team who invested so much over the summer to win a title now, they're in a great position to do it. Um, and Javi, and for everyone, it would mean a lot. And you really have to go into this one ready to suffer, ready, ready to do whatever it takes to get a result. But knowing that like, just because Real Madrid played their best lineup against Liverpool, they're going to play their best lineup again versus Barcelona this weekend. So it won't be an easy game. And Barca's more healthy this time around than they were a couple weeks ago. But um, they're still you know, not going to be able to put out their ideal lineup. So it'll be tough. The tactics, you have to get those right. Uh, but it's a massive game. Yeah, I mean, the and just kind of a little update on what I mentioned about Pedri. Um, his fitness is like, he's back in training. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's a given he's going to be there 100% from the start. It does seem like he'll be available, but it's unclear kind of as to what's... Uh, to what context will be available. Dembele is probably, I've honestly, I literally have not paid attention to any injury stuff whatsoever. Uh, Dembele yeah, was watching. He's in England, apparently. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, he was watching he, he Sunderland saw. Sheffield yesterday, which was super random, but good for him, I guess. Um, can you, what are your thoughts on why Robert Lewandowski is having uh, a difficult last, you know, couple months since the World Cup? What do you think that's due to? Um, I think it could happen to any center forward, even a really good one like him. So I really would like not overreact to it. I think they all go through slumps every once in a while. And it could go through the fact also just that it's not just him that, you know, he played for a Bayern team that was really good and he had a supporting cast and the entire team is struggling to score goals right now. It's not just him. So I think in order for him to be at his best, the entire team offensively and the attack have to be at their best. And I think if anything, it's not a problem with him, but the fact that the entire attack isn't really gelling very well. Yes, he's had opportunities. He could put those away. But attacking is a contagious thing, and it's something you have to do together. It's never going to be a one-man show. So I do expect it to get better, but at the end of the day, he still works hard. And he, uh, you know, within this system, he's a true number nine who who does a lot even when he's not scoring goals. Totally agree. Uh, what is your ideal? Let's just say Pedri's fit. Uh, do you want to see the four midfielders out there of Gavi, Pedri, Busquets and De Jong, and then Rafinha and Lewandowski up top. Like, what's your ideal lineup to attack Real Madrid this weekend? It has to be that. Um, if Pedri's healthy, he's going to start the game. I'm not sure he'll go a full 90 minutes. Although, to be perfectly honest, if he's 
fit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, especially if it's a, if it's a close game. And then, you know, you're going to see Busquets playing with Frankie and then Gavi on the left, Sash doing, coming in, being inverted, being that fourth midfielder. And then I think Rafinha hasn't been perfect in Dembele's absence, but he's been, you know, done well enough and won several games in those one zeros that he's definitely going to be the guy on the right. And that's, it's a pretty predictable lineup. And I think we all know who the four defenders are going to be. So I think, you know, Pedri's fitness, I think that is going to be a big question mark because he will play if he says he can play. Um, but uh, hopefully he can shine and do what he does to help the team more on the ball. But it's interesting because the last time we played Real Madrid a few weeks ago, they were they did so much uh, of the game off the ball that uh, it will be a totally different tactical approach this time if they want to go back to being the Barcelona team who possesses versus the con- the counter-tracking style of Real Madrid. So part of me is like, ah, oh, that kind of worked the last time around. But with Pedro on the field, there's no way they're going to allow themselves to be, uh, uh, you know, a team that doesn't play with the ball. Um, speaking about things off the pitch for a second, uh, you and I haven't chatted since the kind of the referee, uh, <laughs> referee gate popped its ugly head. Uh, there were some reports this week about the, the number of companies Barcelona used to sort of funnel the money uh, despite being uh, pretty... Uh, I don't even know what the word is. Brash from the Barca side, from Laporta, saying that they did nothing wrong, blah, blah, blah. And maybe they didn't. Uh, can you reconcile the paying through all these companies with also, I did nothing wrong? How does that make sense in your head? Well, I mean, I'm trying to get my facts straight, but wasn't there some like marketing scandal as well where someone paid somebody behind the scenes to like kind of trash talk Messi and some of the players? Like there's such weird things that go on at Barcelona behind the scenes that to me, this is, I don't think it was nefarious that they would be paying referees. I really don't. I just think that goes to show how like arrogant and silly the, you know, administration has been and shady with in their business dealings, thinking that they're doing something smart or clever or just being, um, uh, just not being careful. And this is just another example of that. But, you know, when you're, when you do stuff like that, it's easy to let people who uh, don't have your best interest in mind, uh, twist the narrative and uh, make it seem worse than it really is. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, I, I kind of trust Laporte that he wasn't involved in the way that he's coming out right now and being so um, strong in his uh, defense of the club, which is what you would expect. But once again, like he wasn't the president, I mean, he could probably throw people under the bus if he wanted to. Uh, makes me think that it's just, uh, you know, the person needs to protect themselves. Because to me, when I think of the history of Barcelona, I don't, I don't see a club that's, that's gotten favorable treatment from referees. There's just no evidence for someone who's like watched every single game over the years. Yeah, that, that's the you, you kind of hit on the point that's confusing to me is why would Laporta be so and I get it. It's one club, whatever. Like he's a Barca man. He wants to defend the club regardless of the past uh, individuals who may or may not have made mistakes and done uh, nefarious things behind the scenes in the past. And you would hope that if he's sticking his neck out there like this, that this is really just a lot of smoke and a lot of, well, that looks that looks a little suspicious, but there's not actually any meat to it. Why? And again, this is me kind of asking questions, uh, and you you might not know the answer, but why are Real Madrid basically putting themselves forward, saying that they're going to testify in the case? Can you explain how that works to me? That's like, it just it's strange to me that they just can do that. How how does all that work? Why are Real Madrid even involved? Yeah, I think. I don't, I don't really know how, how it really works, but 
except to say that they see a kind of Barcelona looking vulnerable and they want to take advantage of it in any way that they can. I mean, there's lots of corruption throughout Spain within soccer, within politics, within like, with everything, within like the media. And the, I think they get extremely favorable coverage in the media and they're always having it out for Barcelona. At the end of the day, Madrid is the national center of the country. And they, Real Madrid does have a lot of power, you know, representing that part of the country, not to make Barcelona look like total victims because they also you know, have a pretty powerful market behind them. But I think they're just taking advantage of the situation and the other it goes to show you all these other smaller clubs as well who are upset and protesting during the games that, you know, Real Madrid isn't the only team that's seen as the enemy. It's really like these two super clubs in Spain that a lot of other clubs are unhappy with. And I, I think Barcelona going forward has to be so much more careful and so much more intelligent about how they run things because, yeah, there's a lot of people who would love to take Barcelona down. And I think that's what we're seeing. There was a report, uh, I think in the last like day or two, that Barcelona have reportedly ruled out the possibility of signing Joao Cancelo this summer. I, in you know, understanding uh, that probably wasn't going to happen anyways because he's not going to stay at Byron and City are not going to just give him away for you know pennies on the dollar. Uh, do you think this is posturing? I guess why would you ever rule something like that out? Must be. I, so what are they saying exactly? That um, Man City doesn't want to do another loan that they'll only sell him this time around. I mean, it, it just comes it was down to whether from, Barcelona has the money to buy him. It was a report from Dario basically saying that they've decided against trying to go for him because it would be too expensive. And my response is, when has that stopped them in the last couple of years when they've had no money from, you know, religiously pursuing someone, even though they might cost yeah. a little bit too much money? Then maybe you're right. I, I, I think it's crazy when you see how badly they need um, a right fullback or someone that's versatile. They love versatile players who can even play the left side and the right side. And someone who's frankly reputation has taken hit this last year, thanks to Guardiola not playing him, and even at Bayern Munich they're not playing him I think, as much as they should. To me, from what what I've seen from him, he's such an amazing talent. And if you should invest in any position in the summer, it has to be right there above all other positions. So if you're going to spend money, and I agree, they're going to find a way to to raise some more, to raise some cash in order to do this. He seems like the kind of player you would do it for. So maybe Barcelona is just trying to not be taken advantage of with the price they pay for him. So for now, they're just trying to play coy and be like, oh, we're not really interested. No, we don't have that kind of money. But maybe the rumors will come back over the summer. And I hope it's true because I, I rate him extremely highly. I always have. He'd be so much fun to watch. Have you saved up your uh, your pennies and dimes for a Rosalia Barcelona kit? Okay. So yesterday, I was at the airport coming in. And they have these Rosalia kits over at the Bottega stores in the airport. And they look really good with the logo and everything. And I told my brother, who I was coming in with, that he should get one for um, for his wife. And I couldn't convince him to do it. He's like, oh, she doesn't know who, who Rosalia is. Well, I said, well, first of all, she should, because this is a huge artist around the world. Second of all, it'll give your wife some real credibility walking around with this jersey. She'll look really cool in the future, but I couldn't persuade him to do it. And then I thought, well, maybe I should just buy one for myself to mark the occasion. And I'll always remember this classical by this really cool Barcelona kit with this logo on it. So I might be returning with one. I think they look great. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make myself uh, look really old here. I had, I honestly had no idea who Roselia was before this was announced. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. I don't listen to her like super often, but she's huge. Honestly, like, She's one of those talents that maybe hasn't quite translated to as much in the United States, even though there are a lot of Americans who listen to her. But around the world, she's huge. So, I mean, they wouldn't do it otherwise. You know, Drake, and then she's the second one they go for. So, 
a cool logo. They just look awesome. So I'm kind of liking these Spotify partnerships with the artists. It's going to be a good way to sell jerseys, that's for sure. Yeah, it does look pretty cool. It's a very unique idea. Uh, so you're in Barcelona for the weekend, or I, I guess for, a, a, are you staying for past uh, the weekend? Like, are you staying a full week there? Yeah, I'll be here till next Thursday. So I'm going to enjoy the city as much as I can. Nice. If you want to recruit any managers for the U.S. Men's National Team, you're more than welcome to kind of look around at hunts. Uh, I'm sure you have okay. thoughts, and I, I did want to hear your thoughts. Uh, well, you, you can talk about the Gio Reyna stuff in a second if you want, but just the roster in general for the for the matches this month, what do you like and what do you not like? Are we talking about the international friendlies for the United States now? Yes. That, that roster yep. that came out? Um, I saw a lot of Europeans and not a lot of Americans, so that, that was really good. Um, I feel like they're... Well, this guy is kind of a Berhalter assistant, so it's interesting that he kind of uh, snubbed a lot of the guys that Berhalter liked, which I enjoyed seeing. Um, and yeah, I hope they start Geo. Um, I mean, I'll just go on a limb and I'll say that, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit against the narrative with a lot of people. I personally think the Reynos are American heroes for getting rid of Greg Berhalter, even if they uh, martyr themselves process by looking ridiculous. Um, I'm just really thrilled. And the U.S. Federation would have never done it on their own because those people are so corrupt that uh, he would still be the coach for sure if this whole thing hadn't have happened. I am so, so surprised yeah, you think he would still be the coach. I really thought, and again, you're more, I think you're more in tune with kind of the rumblings about the U.S. men's national team than I am for sure. But I'm just, I, I thought he was gone either way. And so you really think he would have come back had that whole situation not transpired? Oh, yeah, they were signaling it. I think they just would have done the easy thing and been like, oh, he did the bare minimum. And um, he also is a good company man. He doesn't challenge anyone here. And that's ultimately what they want. That's why they want someone like Marcelo Bielsa or someone like Mourinho, because these are people who demand, you know, authority over what they're doing and uh, they're not easily controlled. And to me, that's the most maddening thing of all. You're never going to be a good team unless you can accomplish something big and get over the hump, which they haven't been able to in a long time, maximum potential without giving control to a real soccer mind. And, uh, you know, if all you're doing is looking at the pipeline of American coaches, it's not there. You're not going to find one. Talking about more international football, what do you think about the the FIFA World Cup uh, format for the 2026 World Cup? It's going to be exciting, just all those games. I don't know how I'm going to watch all those games. Over 100 games is what I think I saw. Ridiculous. So um, I like I like how it looks. What I like about it is I don't know what the actual final format's going to be, like how they're going to do the groups. I think that's still to be decided. No, so that's like, actually... That they're, they're going back and forth. That, that's actually what they announced. So it's going to be... Um, it was originally going to be 16 groups of three, but now, thankfully, they're doing 12 groups of four. Uh, the top two teams from each group will automatically advance, and then the teams who finished third will be ranked against each other based off their group performance, and eight of the 12 third-place teams will advance. So the knockout stage will be 32 teams. And you were right, there are going to be 104 yep. total matches. Yeah, well, definitely good they're not doing three, people, three teams in a group. That was going to lead to problems. Um, at the same time, I think it's uh, very generous that all these third place teams are going to go through. It kind of like brings down the stakes of the actual group stage itself. Oh yeah. But what's it's nice ridiculous. is that it expands the uh, uh, yeah. It's like that's like the Copa America problem. Um, it is better to eliminate two because the standards have to be higher. But um, it's nice that you're going to see a lot of a lot more nations included that otherwise you know it just expands the even uh, the, the reach is already such a huge global reach to other countries who deserve to participate. Yeah. And honestly, I'm, 
someone in the SB Nation Slack said this, where they like I, I was kind of hesitant towards the expansion, but they did the same thing in the Euros, and the Euros were great with more uh, more involvement. And so, you know, I'm not going to be mad. I mean, I'm sure you're the same as me, right? Like we both. As long as the quality of the games are still up there, you know, I think there's so much quality on the. Uh, there's so much quality from a lot of these teams who don't make it to the World Cup that, uh, yeah, I have a feeling it's going to work out okay. Yeah, it's and exciting games. the nice thing that this takes care of, right, is you're not going to have a situation where, like, Italy doesn't make it to the World Cup again, which is cool because everybody wants Italy at the World Cup no matter what form they're in. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And I like this kind of playoff they're going to do for the last final spots in it and uh, in order to get in and... Uh, there won't be World Cup qualifying for CONCACAF this time. So that'll, I mean, I guess there will be, but just not for those three host nations. Yeah. I'm excited. It'll be in the United States. It's going to be a total um, thrill when it happens. Yeah. And I mean, it's okay. So what stadium? So I know for me, I'm lucky that Atlanta is going to get some good matches, hopefully. Uh, so I'm, I'm saving up my dollars and cents right now. Uh, what stadium will you have to travel to to see matches? Um, I think Kansas City might be a good option. I'm going to have to travel regardless, though. I was mad that Chicago didn't get one. It was really silly. Uh, yeah, I think you know Kansas City would be a kind of a cool town to see a game in. I'll figure it out. I might just take a bunch of time off, maybe even the entire month. Yeah, uh, I mean, just take you might just have to make the, like, the Airbnb tour around the U.S. and go to multiple stadiums. That could be. I mean, I, I would do it. It sounds amazing. It's, but it's kind of funny compared to... To Qatar, Qatar, they uh, where there was no traveling. There's the traveling's gonna be a huge element in this World Cup. Yeah, for fans and players. A lot of jet fuel. Um, okay, let's wrap it up talking about this weekend's match. What do you expect to happen? Um, I expect for the game to be close, like very close, and I think it's gonna come down to the margins. I feel very confident in Barcelona's defense. I, I just do. Um, and, you know, I think with Real Madrid, they're going to struggle because they're a little bit predictable. Um, you know, you would love to not have Vinny have to go up against Ronda Raujo, but Vinny Jr. doesn't play anywhere except the left wing, so you can't really put him else. So I think he's going to be easy to shut down in the right wing. I think he'll get pocketed once again by Ronda Raujo, and I think the rest of the defense will be fine, especially – I saw Benzema come up limp yesterday. I'm not sure if he's even going to be healthy for this game now. I got to check the status on him. Um, and otherwise, I think Real Madrid is going to have to play their best game, and they're going to have to take risks. And Barcelona is going to have to, uh, you know, find a way to get a goal, which they've been doing. And I'm, I think it'll be close, but I think they'll find a way in this one, led by the defense once again. Maybe one zero. I mean, I've got no limb here. Seems to be the right prediction to make. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any news on Benzema, but he definitely. Um, he definitely seemed to injure kind of his right lower leg and he, you know, he got removed right away. I, the, the interesting thing about this match is that both teams seem like they can't score goals right now. And I, yes, I know, you know, a couple weeks ago, Real Madrid put five past Liverpool, but that match was an absolute, just like crap show, uh, of a match defensively. Both teams are struggling for goals right now. And both teams have really good defenses. Like Real Madrid just held Liverpool to zero goals yesterday when Liverpool were throwing everything at them. Which, granted, Bournemouth did the same thing last weekend, so I guess I can't. Liverpool seem to go match by match in terms of their form, but Barcelona's league form defensively has been great. So you're right. like A nice little 1-0 uh, result is probably <laughs> both teams can't seem to score the ball right now, and it's just going to be fascinating to watch. Um, 
that's all I have for you, Nick. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure. I hope you enjoy your time in Barcelona. Hope for great weather this weekend. Lots of lots of tapas, lots of wine, lots of football, and uh, enjoy the match. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's going to be a great weekend. I can't wait to talk about it afterwards.